it is so worth it to me, regardless of how it comes out, is that what I'm not going to do is add more pain onto this situation by reacting instead of responding and have something else to be mad at. That's something else being myself. So recognize that you have a choice in reacting versus responding. Understand that an identity around reactivity is really not serving you. You are listening to Your Unapologetic Career. Being a woman of color faculty in academic medicine who wants to make a real difference with your career can be tough. Listen, these systems are not built for us, but that doesn't mean we can't make them work for us. In each episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain confidence and effectiveness in pursuing the dream career you worked so hard to achieve. All you have to do is tune in to your unapologetic career with me, your host, Kemi Dole, physician, surgeon, researcher, coach, and career strategist for an always authentic, sometimes a little raw, but unapologetically empowering word. I keep it real for you because I want you to win. So I get so many questions along the lines of, ah, how can I work with you? (laughs) You're changing my life and I want more of this. And if you fall into that category and you are a woman of color, faculty member in academic medicine, public health, or allied fields, then just keep listening. Listen, are you building the academic career you want or hard at work checking boxes on everyone else's to-do list? A successful career doing the work you love doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your values, your family, or your joy. Stop trying to be everything to everybody and get to learning the strategies that will 3x your productivity, hone your passions into funded projects, and create the career you worked so hard to achieve. If you've been to every career development and professional development workshop that sounded great, but didn't actually deal with the kind of institutional pressures you face. If you're working hard, but somehow stuck in inefficiency, putting everyone else's priorities first. If you spent years training and sacrificing to become academic faculty, and here you are still working nights and weekends on the projects you care most about, I'm here to tell you that you can walk away from this institutional mindset forever and take control of your career with clarity and strategy. Every day, I help women of color faculty of all career levels in academic medicine, like you, reframe and recreate their academic life so that they can channel their ideas, passions, and skills into grant-funded work with institutional support and sustainability. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Get That Grant, our six-month high-performance coaching program for high-achieving women of color faculty in academic medicine who are ready to reclaim career control and secure grant funding doing the work they love. In Get That Grant, we help you kick imposter syndrome to the curb for good, so you lead your career with clarity and confidence. You learn productivity and strategy skills for grants and papers to maximize your chances of success without wasting your time, abandoning your passion, or working yourself into the ground. 
We help you build the foundation for an amazing and fulfilling academic career, changing your life and the lives of everyone your work will touch. Yes, this future is possible for you and it's waiting on you to make the first step. If you are ready for career success without sacrifice, I encourage you to join our waitlist at kemidole.com backslash grant. After you join the waitlist, you'll be notified when the next Get That Grant cohort will be enrolling. Your application process will include an in-depth career foundations assessment, helping you identify the gaps in your foundation that are holding you back from enjoying the career you work so hard to achieve. No more secret worrying that the career you want isn't really possible. This career assessment will show you exactly where you need to focus to level up your experience and your impact. Join the waitlist today to get in line. Visit kemidole.com backslash grant to sign up. Talk to you soon. Hello. So this week, I want to talk to you about the idea of responding instead of reacting. And I want to acknowledge that this is not a new topic at all. Even the phrasing of it, talking about it like responding versus reacting, that's in a lot of places. And this has been said, I don't think I'm saying anything particularly unique. But I also am kind of of the opinion that there are not that many new ideas in general in the whole world, but it's how we package them. It's how we think about them. It's how they're specifically applied to different scenarios and situations. And those things are new. And so it's also the case that sometimes things come to us when we need to hear them. So my hope is that for at least some of you out there listening, this message comes to you when you need to hear it, because it's definitely something that has been active for me. somewhat recently. And I just thought, you know, it's been a while maybe since I've just sat down and taken some time to think about how I move through my day, especially in response to kind of unexpected and unpleasant things that happen. I think the other thing I want to say is that with regard to this topic, but also, I mean, truly like any topic I'm talking about, it is usually the case that I am speaking from some kind of experience. So not specifically because I'm not out here putting all my business on the street, but in terms of having basically quote unquote done it wrong first before figuring out how to do it right is a very common pattern in my life. And so, you know, sometimes it's from conversations that I have with different people, but ultimately there are so many parts of our experience as women of color faculty in academic medicine or public health that are very similar. And one of the things I do know for sure There's a variety of uniqueness in terms of the specificity with which these challenges show up. But when we can get underneath to some of the very, very, very common challenges is when I think it's actually the most powerful place to speak to, because what it does is that it helps you not just in whatever situation you might be facing immediately in front of you. It actually gives you tools that you can use going forward in any situation. And so that's really my goal today with talking about reacting versus responding. So what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is when unpleasant things happen, especially, I'll just say like, especially interpersonally, when somebody does something you don't expect that is hurtful in some way. So for example, you are working on a project together and somebody takes liberties that you don't expect or all of a sudden your work appears somewhere you don't expect it to appear, or, you know, there's a decision made that feels very different than what was communicated to you initially. 
These are all these things that we absolutely navigate through, around, under, (laughs) over in our academic careers all of the time. And sometimes it feels like, I don't know if this is the case in absolutely every single career everywhere. I will just say that there's something odd about academics where there can be this appearance of very strong norms and very strong rules that everybody follows. And yet in actuality, it's like the wild, wild west (laughs) in terms of what people can do, get away with, however you want to say it. And so it's this weird cognitive dissonance of the culture of the idea of the ideal faculty member and what they do and what they're expected to do. And then the reality of all the power dynamics and pockets of power, pockets of resistance, pockets of flexibility, pockets of rigidity that you actually have to learn only by navigating through them and finding them out. So I think that's the other reason why we get exposed to sometimes maybe more of this like, wait, what? How is this? Why is this happening? What did you just do? Why is this okay? The other reason, frankly, is because it's a little bit wild, wild west. There are some missing norms around respecting people's time and space and boundaries that are just like real. So I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think that's maybe why sometimes things can just be a little bit more kind of shocking when they roll across, you know, maybe in your inbox or, or happen to you. So that's the setting that this could happen a lot. Here's the other setting. I think I might mostly be talking to black women here, but we'll see. (laughs) Is that you, to get to where you are with some semblance of holding on to yourself and some semblance of not being totally walked over, you have developed an ability to stand up for yourself when needed. And it's an important ability and it can show up in different ways. Sometimes the way people stand up for themselves is they fucking execute. Sometimes the way people stand up for themselves is they are excellent, hard workers. I know that was me. I'm not saying y'all go do that, but that's how I stood up for myself was over excelling. Sometimes people stand up for themselves by just going off, popping off. Excuse me, what did you say? Let's start that over again. There's all this, but you have that muscle in you and you're navigating an environment where there's constant microaggression. There's constant digs at you. There's constant suspicion about your quality, your deservingness, like all of this is just the case. So it's unlikely that you've gotten to a position of success without having some degree of self-protection and some degree of an ability to stand up for yourself and be like, absolutely the F not, you will not do X, Y, Z. It might be underdeveloped and not be, it might not be quite where you want it to be. You might feel like, I don't know, I let a lot of people get away with stuff. But there's something in you that's still able to do something because it would be really hard to get to the point that you're at without that. So we have that piece of ourselves that righteously stands up in defense of ourselves. And then we have this situation where sometimes a lot of stuff can go down where there hasn't been a lot of prior agreement. There isn't a lot of clarity about what's okay and what's not okay. And it's confusing a lot. And it is exhausting to feel like You are constantly having to stand up, pop off, go off on people, hold boundaries, all this stuff day in and day out all the time. And not only is it exhausting, it's not a great place to make decisions, right? It's not a great place to be able to assess and make decisions that are not just short-term, but also long-term. So how do we do this? Like, how do you get out of a space of reacting versus responding? Well, I guess I just want to walk through the basics of what this looks like, because 
I certainly know that for me, when something happens that I don't expect or that it pisses me off, I'll tell you what I do. I go to words. <laughs> I go to words. And in about, I don't know, 8.6 seconds, I have written a thesis in my head to take you down. <laughs> I am like, let me tell you something, like, or to like blast out an email. Like I'm talking, it is like, I literally think in the form of the takedown and then this and then this and point A and point B and point C and all this stuff. Like it is rapid while that's happening, all the emotion, all that stuff. However, I am now at a place where I understand that moving with that initial instinct, even if it might feel great in the moment, is not the best for my short or long-term well-being. It just isn't. And not only that, the situations that are most likely to inspire that reaction to me are situations and or relationships that tend, if I look back, tend to be net negative. (laughs) So at some point, if I look back and assess, this is either a situation or a relationship where the best outcome is neutral and the most common outcome is negative, meaning I am somehow missing what I need. I'm somehow clawing, having to fight for what I need. I'm somehow, and I don't even know if I'm actually getting the full thing of what I need, right? Anyway, I'm just saying that like, it's something to think about that like when these issues come up, especially if they're recurrent, it's good to just assess whether this is something that tends to happen in a relationship that is at best neutral, but usually your experience of it is one where you are kind of constantly losing out. So in that setting, again, not great to pop off. So what do we need to do instead? What's the process of not just popping off? So I think of this in three steps. I think they can happen simultaneously. They can whatever, but they're, each one is important. And the first one is to pause, is to pause. I find this one of the hardest because of how at least my brain works, because of how quickly my brain will start to give me words to use about the situation, it is a personal growth skill. It is a place of maturity for me to take those words that I am like, this is fire, and hold and actually pause before they show up in the world. So the pause is so important. The other reason the pause is important is that it allows me, and I offer, it allows you to actually feel whatever is happening to you. So if we brush past it, it can be easy for us to say, I'm angry. That's the feeling. I'm angry. I'm pissed. I'm angry. I'm pissed. Right? I'm livid. But often underneath that anger are actually other emotions that are harder to hold. Emotions like betrayal. Emotions like embarrassment. Emotions like feeling very vulnerable. Right? Emotions like deep disappointment, things that are a lot harder to hold than anger, which is very energizing. But if you don't pause, you won't even get there. So that's one of the reasons. One, literally pause. And when I pause, what am I doing when I pause? I am not just taking deep breaths, (laughs) but I'm actually intentionally feeling the emotion, feeling what is it, what is happening right now in my body? Like, where am I feeling hot? where's my heart racing, et cetera. Then also, 
what is it that I am actually feeling underneath the anger? And that's a process of actually understanding what's happening to me because it usually helps me with the next step. So when I move from, I'm living, I'm angry, I'm angry to, oh, actually, I feel betrayed because I trusted this person. I feel ashamed a little bit because I'm judging myself for trusting somebody maybe I shouldn't have. I'm feeling disappointed because I had this expectation and now the future that I was thinking of is feeling like it's crumbling in front of my face. Again, these can be small things or big things. It doesn't matter. That future crumbling in front of my face always pops up. These are actually all of the things I'm feeling. And why is it important for me to identify those? Because now I can move to step two, which is getting the actual facts. And let me tell you the resistance around that because getting the facts requires you to pause in the reaction because you've already done that and then actually take in information to be able to assess whether it supports or potentially invalidates or confuses the feelings that you have, this betrayal. I feel betrayed. Okay. What was the agreement? There was no agreement. Okay. Why did you think there was an agreement? Well, I assumed. Okay. So it's okay to feel betrayed, but was there an agreement that has been breached here or was there an assumption that you are now realizing is wrong? Again, this doesn't mean that you don't respond well, but it means that the way you respond is different. It's more clear and accurate to the situation. Gathering the facts I offer can start with gathering the facts around your feelings. I am disappointed. Okay, why? What was my expectation that is not met? Was that expectation shared clearly or was that in my head? If it was not shared clearly, okay, was it a norm that doesn't need to be shared clearly? It might be, totally fine, but let's clarify that. The other places that you wanna get the facts are the extenuating circumstances that you might not be privy to. So the other thing that happens when something, we get that email, like you find out something that you're like, wait, what? What is that it can be very easy to have a very narrow lens on that one thing, like this thing, and it's like, okay, again, nothing wrong with that, but let's get information. Maybe somebody's like, oh, this is mandatory, you just have to do this, and you're like, wait, what? Okay, let's just get information. Let's figure out what do you mean mandatory? Where is that written down? My favorite question is, "Mm -hmm, can I see the policy? Where is the policy that says X, Y, Z? Are we dealing with another layer of assumption? So in addition to getting facts about your feelings, so using facts to question, okay, I'm feeling betrayed. I'm feeling betrayed because maybe I made an assumption or not. Maybe you didn't, but you want to be clear. You also can get facts about the situation itself. Okay, what are the actual limitations? Who said that? What power do they have to say that or to not say that? What are other ways that this has been dealt with? Has this ever happened before? All these things where you can get actual facts, extenuating circumstances about the situation to help you color in what's happening, getting the facts. Often that means reaching out and talking to people that might be in parallel or might be like involved or maybe not even talking, but just doing your research, like going to a website and saying, what does this actually say on here? All of that stuff. But gathering the facts, allowing those to as well inform your understanding of what has happened. And then the third thing, after we pause, after we gather the facts, one, using your actual emotions to guide your questions, not just the anger, but what's underneath that. 
And then also gathering facts around the extenuating circumstance so you have a better full picture of what's gone on. Then after you've done that and you're like, okay, I think I actually understand better. Okay, I think I actually understand what I'm feeling better. I understand this whole thing better. I offer that it's helpful to actually then process your emotion in some way. That looks different for different people. Some people are gonna journal, get it out. Some people need physical activity to get it out. I know that it really helps me to have physical activity because I feel I like vibrate in my being and I'm like, okay, this has to go somewhere. Let me get on the bike and like bust out a ride and like go nuts because I need to get this energy out. I need to do something. So again, this is not prescriptive. This is like knowing yourself personal growth and development, but like actually doing something that helps you process that emotion. Sometimes it's reaching out to trusted folks. Now, this is again where the maturity comes in. Are you going to reach out to somebody that you're just going to scream with for 20 minutes and you're going to end the conversation more angry or somebody who you will scream for the first five minutes and then you know, oh, but then you process with that person. It starts to come down, right? So that's another piece for me is that I reach out to people who I know and trust can hold my energy, hold my emotion, but also be honest and open with me. And they know the difference. They know when it's like, okay, let's just listen. Okay, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, right? And then they know when it can be like, hey, maybe you might wanna think about A, B, or C. But you need that space. And cultivating those people is so critical. This is why we can't do all of this alone. But you also can't just take on whoever group somebody just forced on you because, oh, you work here, so these are your colleagues because you need people who are capable, emotionally mature and capable. So processing your emotion, either physically, through writing, singing maybe for some of you, dancing, listening to music, talking to friends, but processing it so it moves from this like acute, intense experience that's only inside your body out somewhere else. And then what often comes is a level of mental clarity that is just not available to us before this process. A level of mental clarity that does not in any way discount your emotions. In fact, it more accurately takes them into account because it's not reacting just from the superficial anger. It's not reacting just from the superficial hurt. It's actually responding from the complexity and the nuance of several things that you might've been feeling mixed with the facts. It allows you to respond from a place of completeness, from a place of authenticity, and from a place of clarity within yourself. This in no way dictates what happens. This doesn't dict- This does not dictate w- whether the person, institution, whatever responds to you in the way that you want them to. But you know what it does do? Significantly, if not completely, stops the pile on of self-judgment that results after we react in a way that we then regret, which to me is even worse than the first insult because the way I will self-critique and judge myself to death is (laughs) otherworldly. So it is so worth it to me, regardless of how it comes out, is that what I'm not gonna do is add more pain onto this situation by reacting instead of responding and have something else to be mad at. That's something else being myself. So that's what I wanted to share with you on this quick episode today. Recognize that you have a choice in reacting versus responding. 
understand that an identity around reactivity is really not serving you. And if you want to move into a place where you're deliberately picking up a practice of response, then I offer to you the steps that you can go through is to pause, actually feel your feelings, (laughs) identify what feelings you are actually having Two, get the facts, the facts around your feelings and the facts around the external situation. Three, process your emotions in the way that makes sense for you and your body. And then from a place of mental clarity, respond. All right, y'all. Thank you for spending this time with me today. If this helped you, if this three steps resonated with you, if this was maybe even just confirmatory in a way for you, come and find me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Kemi Dole, K-E-M-I-D-O-L-L. Let me know what resonated. Let me know what hit for you. I think that these are lifelong lessons, not in that we forget and we have to relearn. No, it's that we keep refining. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, oh, I know exactly how to do this when I'm dealing with this. Maybe a person on the street, maybe my two-year-old. <laughs> Maybe this, but we're still, we still have areas to grow in dealing with this, maybe in our professional settings or maybe in certain kinds of professional settings, et cetera. So for me, it's not about kind of forgetting, relearning and never making progress. It's about refining. And as you grow in your career, as you actually experience success, as your profile raises, as all of these things happen, you will have, you will, will have more opportunities to deepen and strengthen these skills with what comes to you, with what shows up on the table. And that's the practice I'm personally committed to and what I invite you into. Because when it comes to personal growth, personal growth and development of yourself, your self-leadership skills, there is no effort wasted. That's the thing about personal growth. That's the thing about working on your self-leadership. And personally, as somebody who is very into efficiency, I love doing things where I know there will always be a benefit for me. All right, take care, y'all. Have a great week. Bye. Hello, I'm coming through to remind you that we are starting a listener letter segment on the Your Unapologetic Career podcast. Write in with questions that you have. You can ask me anything. I will decide what I want to answer. You can bring forth challenging situations or suggest topics you might want to hear more about. To do that, you can reach me at podcast at kdolcoach.com. That's podcast at kdolcoach.com with your questions. Please note if you'd like to be anonymous and I will always do my best to keep you so excited to hear from y'all. 